the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Additional the following program is sponsored by The Truth Incorporated. Today on Know the Truth from Philip DeCourcy. The Christian endures knowing that what is, is nothing compared to what will be. This day, we endure so that that day we enjoy. If we live for him, we will reign with him. Stay in the course, guys. That's what it's all about. Welcome to Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy. I'm Wayne Shepherd. The Christian life isn't passive. The moment you place your trust in Jesus, you enter into a journey and you receive a mission. But how do we carry on in this mission even when we feel the fatigue of persecution or the weight of trials or the pressures of everyday life? Today, Philip examines the Apostle Paul's charge to Timothy and the encouragement he sent with it. How do we resolve to continue come what may? Here's Philip with the answers. And if you take your Bibles, we're in a study on 2 Timothy. It's 2 Timothy 2, verses 8 through 13. 2 Timothy 2, verses 8 through 13. A message I've called, Resolve to Continue. Trying times are not the times to stop trying. We need to endure. And that's one of the themes of 2 Timothy. As Paul writes here to his protege in the ministry perseverance is the calling of the minister of the gospel. Now in this section, we'll look at four things. Paul adds four more motivations to keep on keeping on. Number one, he gives him the encouragement of the empowering reality of the resurrection. Number two, he gives him the encouragement of the unstoppable power of the gospel. Number three, he gives him the encouragement of the glorious work of evangelism. And number four, he gives him the encouragement of the promise of eternal life. So let's begin to look at these four motivations to keep on keeping on. Number one, what I call a glorious win, the empowering reality of the resurrection. This is chapter four and verse eight. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. Paul wants Timothy to resurrect his faltering resolve in the light of Jesus' empty tomb. And so Paul is saying, Timothy, you need to consciously and consistently bring to your mind the thought of an empty tomb and an occupied throne and a soon return. And there is power available to you through the indwelling spirit. Because the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in you. We can know that strength. 
We can know that fortifying presence of God in our lives. And it can subdue fear, and it can subdue fatigue, and it can give us reason to march on. Here's a second motivation. Not only a glorious wind, but a glorious word. A glorious word, the unstoppable power of the gospel. Let's keep reading. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead, according to my gospel, verse 8. Now verse 9, for which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains. And listen to this, but, but the word of God is not chained. A glorious win, that's a great motivation. A glorious word, that's another great motivation. Paul wants to steal the resolve of Timothy by reminding him That while the messenger is imprisoned, the message is not. That's a great encouragement. But the word of God can't be bound. Its power cannot be thwarted. That's the wonderful truth that Paul passes on. It will accomplish that which God sends it to do. It will not return void. Isaiah 55, 10 to 11. Paul goes on. He's not only encouraged him here with a glorious win and a glorious word. He now encourages him thirdly with a glorious work. This is the third motivation. The joyful work, even though Howard, of evangelism. Look at verse 10. Therefore, I endure all things. He's calling Timothy to endure, right? He's calling Timothy to persevere. Paul motivates Timothy by his own example the work and witness that he gives to Christ, and that work and that witness comes at a cost. You want to get a flavor of what Paul's talking about when he says, I endure all things? Then go to Second Corinthians 11. And here's what we read in verse 23. Are they ministers of Christ? Speaking of others, I speak as a fool. I more in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep. In journeys often, in peril of waters, in peril of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fasting often, in cold and nakedness, and besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Just bear that in mind. As we come back to our text, therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake. He had lost friends. He had gained enemies. He had imperiled his own life. He had suffered imprisonments. He was the target of satanic attack. He faced the worst of fears. But what drives Paul? Among many things he tells us here, it's the thought that through his life, his testimony, his preaching through the means of preaching the gospel. God saves a people he has set his love upon from all eternity past. That's what drives him. The spiritual fruit of winning souls to the Savior's side. The real business of life. Do you want to know one of the things that should mark everything you're about? The real business of life is to help people find life in Jesus Christ. 
Everything else ought to be subservient to that one object. And I don't give a hoot for your theology if it doesn't lead you to have a heart for lost people and to know that part of God's sovereign purposes includes means by which he accomplishes those sovereign purposes. And people don't get saved without us praying and persevering and preaching. Some years ago, I interacted with the story of Martin McCartland to his fellow IRA volunteers. He was a Republican patriot. To the British, he was Agent Carroll. He was a double agent during the Troubles in Northern Ireland. For four years, he led a remarkable double life. Even his wife and the mother of his two children didn't know this about him. And when he could, he would pass on life-saving information to the British services and to the RUC that would foil or interrupt bombings or shootings of innocent people or members of the security forces. But his cover was blown. The IRA got him, and a death squad took him to a flat three stories up in West Belfast. They were going to interrogate him and give him an ugly and prolonged death. He knew it. He was tied at the feet. He asked for a bathroom, and he bunny hopped to the bathroom. And on the way back, he realized he had only one opportunity, and that was to bunny hop towards the window and try and just smash through the window. He had been blindfolded through this whole experience. He didn't realize he was three stories up. But according to the story, he does bunny hop right through the window. Smashes it, falls three stories down, lies unconscious in the concrete below. Thankfully, the British services knew he had been caught. They were furiously trying to get him and deliver him, and the RUC wasn't far away, and they swept in and grabbed him and saved his life. It's an interesting story. In fact, later on, he survives another assassination attempt where the IRA find out where he's living in England, and they shoot him six times, and he survives it. The book's a little salty. I think it's been made into a movie. And the book in the movie is called 50 Dead Men Walking because that's how they summed up this man's life. They believe through his information, through his bravery, that the information he passed on saved upwards of 50 men's lives. 50 dead men walking because of Martin McCartland. Are there any dead men walking? in your circle of influence? Because you see, our friends and our family without Christ, they're dead in their sin. But if we can bring the gospel to them, and by God's grace and our effort, they're saved. That's one dead man, one dead woman walking in the power of Christ. I wonder how many spiritually dead people will be walking into the presence of God. Because like Paul You and I have endured all things for the sake of the elect, that they may obtain salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ with eternal glory through our praying and through our persevering and through our preaching. Let's wrap this up. Four motivations so that you and I can be resolved to continue. A glorious win. A glorious word, a glorious work, finally a glorious welcome. 
This is the promise of eternal reward and God's final benediction. Look at verses 11 through 13. This is a faithful saying. This is another of Paul's faithful sayings. You'll find it in 1 Timothy 1.15, 1 Timothy 3.1, 2 Timothy 2.11, and then Titus 3 verse 8. What is a faithful saying? Usually, it's a kind of summation of a doctrine or something that Paul wants to emphasize and to make an extra point concerning. This is a faithful saying. Hey, Tim, this is important. Let me drill down on this. In fact, just a little aside, the rhythmic and poetic nature of the verses in the Greek lead many biblical commentators to conclude that this actually may be a fragment of an early Christian hymn. But that aside, its function here at the close of Paul's early exhortation to Timothy to endure is to remind Timothy that the suffering is worth it. All right? Paul has mentioned his own suffering, hasn't he? For which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, verse 9. Verse 10, therefore I endure all things for the sake of the elect. And now he wants his example to become Timothy's pattern because he says in verse 12, if we endure, we shall also reign with him. And he wants Timothy to know, winning the lost, sanctifying the saved, training the next generation of leaders, establishing biblical churches that can survive a culture that's Christless, that's going to come at a price. None of that comes easily. But you know what? It'll be worth it in the end. And I want you to keep that in mind. That's what's going on here. This is a fearful sin. If we died with him, we shall live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. Martyrdom opens the door to eternal life. Gospel endurance leads to millennial and eternal kingdom blessings. In James 1.12 and in Revelation 2.10, we read about the crown of life. You see, the longer the Christian lives, the deeper the Christian gets to live. And Paul is holding out here the hope of eternal life and the incomparable glory and joys that await us beyond this life. Romans 8.17 and 2 Corinthians 4.16-17. Paul's saying, look, there are great things to look forward to in the Christian's experience. So when you're down in the trenches, when the prison cell door slams behind you, when you're alone, when you've been physically beaten for the gospel, deprived, mocked, you need to remember that if we suffer for him, we'll reign with him. It will be worth it in the end. And conversely, apostasy is a danger. So Paul's saying, the one hand, I want you to endure. If we endure, we'll reign with him. But if we deny him, he'll deny us. If we are faithless, verse 13, the word faithless there is a word that carries on the idea of continually being faithless. So I don't think this is a momentary lapse. This isn't Peter momentarily lapsing in his commitment to Jesus Christ. No, this is full-fledged apostasy. This is giving up the faith. This is walking away from Christ. This is becoming indeed a denier of the gospel. And so Paul is saying, look, a true and continued denial of Christ leads to banishment from God. 
And you know what? We often read verse 13, I think, the wrong way. I think the right way to read it is like this. If we are faithless, if we continue on in a pattern of denial, he remains faithful to his word and the judgment he will visit upon those who deny him. Because Matthew 10, 33, what does Jesus say? If you deny me before men, I'll deny you before the Father. So if you're going to be faithless and deny him before men, you can be sure he's going to be faithful and deny you before the Father. He'll keep his word. This is a warning. This is a promise to punish those who deny him, who apostatize the faith. But conversely, if we'll be faithful, if we'll endure, if we'll be marked by persevering grace, Falling down and getting up, falling down and getting up, falling down and getting up all the way to heaven. Then if we endure, we shall reign with him. Returning to Paul's point here, Timothy has a great many things to look forward to. Things that ought always to overshadow the shadows that we find ourselves in sometimes in life. Look at some of the phrases here. End of verse 10, eternal glory. How good does that sound? Verse 11, live with him. Verse 12, reign with him. Eternal glory, living with Christ, reigning with Christ. The Christian endures knowing that what is, is nothing compared to what will be. This is the glorious welcome that awaits us, the abundant entrance into God's kingdom that Peter talks about. The Christian can endure this day and suffer for the elect's sake this hour in the light of that day and the future hour. I mean, that's what keeps Paul going, isn't it? Chapter 4, verse 6, as we close, for I'm already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure is at hand. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, not to me only, but all to those who love his appearing. This day, we endure so that that day we enjoy. If we deny him, he'll deny us. If we live for him, we will reign with him. Stay in the course, guys. That's what it's all about. Trying times are not the times to stop trying. We need to endure in the light of this glorious win, the resurrection, in the light of this glorious word that cannot be bound, in the light of this glorious work, the obtaining of salvation of the elect, in the light of this glorious welcome came across this story, and we wrap it up, about William Booth. If you don't know who he is, kind of shame on you, but let me inform you who he is. He's the founder of the Salvation Army. Godly man. A little rough around the edges, but you'd have to be given the work he did. But he was often harangued and mocked and attacked for his unusual evangelistic methods, his bold notions of bringing about moral societal reform. In fact, Professor Thomas, an agnostic, despised Booth. And in the London Times, he viewed Booth's sway over his followers as being, quote, the prostitution of the mind, 
And a worse evil than prostitution or alcoholism. He characterized Booth's campaign to make people sober and hardworking as nothing more than a ruse to herd, washed, shorn, and docked sheep into his narrow theological fold. Another newspaper accused Booth of being a sensual, dishonest, sanctimonious, and hypocritical scoundrel, brazen-faced charlatan, a tub-thumper masquerading hypocrite. And here's what's saddest of all. The Earl of Shaftesbury, I think a friend of William Wilberforce and part of the evangelical branch of the Church of England, an eminent social reformer himself, came to a point where he denounced the work of the Salvation Army as clearly anti-Christ. One of the Earl's admirers had revealed to him in his own studies that he had learned that there's a way to look at William Booth's name and it all adds up to 666. That game was being played back then as it is today. So when William Booth's loyal and oldest son showed him such newspaper attacks, the general would often shrug and reply, quote, Bramwell, 50 years hence, it will matter very little indeed how these people treated us. It will matter a great deal how we dealt with God's work. Guys, 50 years from now, 500 years from now, 5,000 years from now, Five million years from now. Do you know all that will matter? How we dealt with God's work. Were we faithful? Did we persevere? Did we give our best effort? And we have every reason to, given the glorious win, given the glorious word, given the glorious work, given the glorious welcome. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we have need of endurance. That word to the Hebrews is a word to us. Oh God, we realize our day is not unlike Timothy's day. The church is weakening and compromising all around us. The generation of great saints seem to be passing like the passing of Paul. The culture getting darker and darker day by day and the victory all against your people and your gospel is getting more bitter and biting. This is a day for strong men who will preach the message strongly in the face of opposition. Give us gritty and gutsy grace to persevere. For if we endure, we shall reign with him. Help us to know that our labor is not in vain because the word of God is not bound and the power of the resurrection is at work in us and through us, subduing the darkness as it did then. Oh God, Give us the spirit of William Carey. I can plod. I can move in a determined direction. Help us not to be put off. Help us not to be put down. Help us having put our hand to the plow, not to turn back. For Jesus' sake, amen. Amen. May we carry the gospel into the next generation and beyond. You're listening to Know the Truth in a message from Philip DeCourcy called Resolve to Continue. Perseverance isn't a solo activity. We need to both give and receive guidance from others. So if you've never contacted Know the Truth before, we'd like to send you a free bookmark with helpful guidelines for being and finding a good mentor. Prepare the next generation for the days to come. Ask for the free mentoring bookmark at ktt.org. While the culture downplays the importance of fathers, God's Word reveals that men have a calling to be servant leaders who shape the next generation. 
When you give today to the ministry of Know the Truth, we'll send you a book to help you anchor your family in Christ for the next 100 years. When we recognize the impact that our fathers had on us, we'll be encouraged to make a positive impact on the generation that follows us. Request your copy of the book titled Anchorman when you give to the Bible teaching ministry of Know the Truth. Call in your donation to 888-644-8811 or give online at ktt.org or write to us at Know the Truth, Post Office Box 30250, Anaheim Hills, California, 92809. And as always, this ministry would not be possible without the generous support of our Truth Ambassadors. Thank you for believing in this mission and supporting it with your actions. Your regular monthly giving and faithful prayer ensures that people all across the country receive clear and encouraging Bible teaching every day. Whose life will your gift impact today? And if you're not yet a Truth Ambassador, partner with us in this ministry. It's easy to sign up online at ktt.org. And when you do, you are making this ministry your ministry. I'm Wayne Shepherd, inviting you to come back Monday. Philip will be kicking off a new message he's titled Straight Talk. Be sure to listen Monday to Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. to grow deeper in my faith and strengthen my daily walk. And I found it at Crosswalk.com. From Bible study tools to Christian living articles, devotionals, movie reviews, to marriage and finance articles, well, you get the idea. Crosswalk.com also has a great online community of Christians just like me. With everything just a click away, it's like having a trusted friend, teacher, and mentor right here at my desk every day. Crosswalk.com, the intersection of faith and life. On behalf of Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland, we would like to invite you to tune in to our weekly radio program, Practical Living, here on WAVA, each Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. And join us for one of our weekend worship services, Saturdays at 6 p.m., or Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. or 1 p.m. For more details, visit us at church-redeemer.org. Prayer can be powerful, but God demands that it be done. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. 
Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.